You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 750 AM, 312-255-8408. You can also get us on youtube.com slash catholicchicago. And Father Greg Sackowitz, Mark Teresi, wonderful first half of the program, Mark, and we even have a, another great half lined up second half. The Cardinal Bernardine Archives and Records Center has launched an online exhibit about cat, black Catholic parishes during Black History Month. Our guest this half hour will be Charles Heinrich. Charles, welcome to the program. Uh, hopefully I'm coming in loud and clear, and it's a pleasure to speak with you. Now, do you go by Charles, Charlie, Chuck? What do you prefer, Charles? Um, I like to joke that I've been called worse, but I prefer Charles. Okay. Uh-huh. And it, uh, now, are you with the archives? So is your, off- your office is located where, Charles? Um. The Archives and Records Center is located at 711 West Monroe, which is right next to Old St. Patrick's Church. So we're actually at an off-site facility from the main archdiocesan offices um, on Russian Chestnut. Uh, So we have a large warehouse facility there. We have over 30,000 boxes of records of parishes, institutions, sacramental records uh, and other historical materials from the archdiocese from its history uh, at the archives charles it said you're a technician can you give us a little bit of background about how you do become an archival technician uh yes well uh i went to college at loyola university chicago i'm a graduate of that and i went so you're a rambler yes so am i yes so am i yes um, I'm hopeful for this this month for the upcoming NCAA tournament. Um, I studied history at Loyola University Chicago. Um, I did their program in what's called uh, public history. And public history was is essentially how do you take historical materials and how do you uh, make that knowledge and make that information not only available to the public, but also to... Um, make it known to the public, but also kind of help the public um, share in and enrich their own lives with their own history, their own knowledge. Um, I did my internship actually at the Loyola University Museum of Art, which has a pretty large scale uh, historical collection of art and artifacts, which is uh, right across the street from the archdiocesan offices. Were you involved in that Christmas display that they had? We'd go... uh, that was great. Uh, yes, I would do. I would do some work with that. I did a lot of um, different exhibits for the for Luma. Mm-hmm. Um, they did um, historical exhibits about actually the Jesuit Restoration, the 200th anniversary mm-hmm. of that. I was heavily involved in that project. Um, exhibits about the Madonna della Strada Chapel on Loyola's campus, Beautiful. as well as uh, exhibits about um, the Christian sect known as the Shakers. They had a large Shaker exhibit a few years ago when I was um, an intern there that I worked on. Uh, So to make that long story short, um, that knowledge, that groundwork laid 
um, prepared me for what I do now at the archives, which is not only working with historical material, working with different uh, parishes and archdiocesan agencies um, to help uh, preserve and organize their historical material, their legal records, business records, et cetera. Uh, but also in projects such as what I'm working, what I worked on now, uh, which is to kind of celebrate uh, various aspects of the people in the parishes of the archdiocese. Well, now, for, for a moment, Charles, talk about this uh, exhibit, the online exhibit about the Black Catholic parishes during Black History Month. Tell us all about that. Yes, well, the genesis of this project uh, came when we were um, visiting these parishes in the summer of last year. Um, we were collecting historical materials from the parishes or, and collecting and preserving their records. Um, as you know, a number of these parishes uh, went through the Renew My Church process. And what the archives does um, is, is it tries to uh, safeguard the records of some of these places and institutions during that process so they don't get lost or they don't get uh, inadvertently thrown away or destroyed. Um, so while we were visiting these places, I was really struck by the rich history uh, that these parishes had in the Bronzeville, in the Washington Park, in the Kenwood neighborhoods, uh, uh, five different parishes uh, going through this process. And um, I had worked on previous digital exhibits uh, for the archives and I thought that this would be, um, this was a story that needed to be told. I actually met at one of these parishes, um, a parishioner of the now Our Lady of Africa parish. Her name is Tina Carter, uh, and she's a branch manager for one of the Chicago Public Libraries in, uh, in Brighton Park. And uh, we talked for a while and kind of got the, the ball rolling on this idea of creating an online exhibit that celebrates the legacy of these parishes um, and celebrates the people uh, who lived there and whose lives were touched and changed there. And it was great working with her. Um, she provided a lot of help and resources. And there's just so much history. You could easily have written a book about any one of these churches, but uh, for brevity's sake, I did not. Charles, what did you learn? What, what, what was one of the major learnings that you had working on this project? You know, um, you learn so much. And one of the things that is so gratifying about this job at the archives is that you learn so much about interesting people, interesting places, and um, important events just throughout our own, you know, our own small corner of the world here in Chicago. Um, what really struck me about the history of these parishes, about St. Elizabeth, uh, St. Anselm, St. Ambrose, Corpus Christi, and Holy Angels, um, was that their resiliency and vitality of these faith communities and the odds that they had to persevere against, um, because as the I explained this in the exhibit after uh, World War One. you know, the Great Migration starts in the city of Chicago, uh, where you have a lot of uh, where you have a lot of black families moving from the south um, into northern cities like Detroit, Chicago, um, other places, Cincinnati, places like that. Um, and so you go from in the 1800s, there being uh, 50 
uh, black Catholic families in the city of Chicago. And in the span of 20 years, it's grown to, uh, you know, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, and it just keeps on expanding uh, rapidly. And they had to carve out a place for themselves in the archdiocese and in the city at large, especially, as you know, in a time when uh, racial attitudes were so much more virulent and vehement and antagonistic, um, you know, within and without the Catholic community. Uh, but the way that they were able to band together and create, uh, you know, their own communities and thrive is something that I hope comes across in this exhibit, mm -hmm. uh, not only in their faith life, but in their social life, um, between all of the organizations they create. Oftentimes, they create these organizations because, uh, you know, they don't have an outlet or a means to create something, uh, or they're barred from larger society, whether it be community centers or other types of neighborhood outreach charities. Um, so that really struck me was um, their industry and their faith and their resolve. I didn't want to put you on the spot, but what about, I always wondered about St. Peter Claver, that, that uh, group. What did you learn about them? Um, the Knights of Peter Claver were a big part of all of these parishes um, because they were essentially, they started as a, essentially the African-American alternative to the Knights of Columbus. Okay. Um, there was an early period of time, which is no longer the case, um, where essentially you have um, parallel institutions for, say, you would say uh, white Catholics and black Catholics. Oh, okay. So for white Catholics, there was the Knights of Columbus, and for black Catholics, it was the Knights of Peter Clay there. And they performed very similar uh, roles and functions. So they would be the honor guard, the color guard. I have several pictures uh, where you can see Knights of St. Peter Claver. Um, uh, for example, at the visits of dignitaries and bishops at the various churches. Um, and they would perform these roles uh, assisting in charities and just being kind of like the symbols or the uh, role models for the neighborhood. Um, and, you know, many of these groups and organizations are still active mm -hmm. um, in those neighborhoods themselves. How about this, uh, Mark, take us a break. This is fascinating. It sure I, is. I love history, Charles, so uh, this is great stuff. And you studied it, unlike Father Greg. He's learning a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we, all, we all start somewhere. <laughs> WNDZ. I was, I was busy in the gym. 7.50 a.m. <laughs> Catholic Chicago 312. 255840, right? Or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We'll be back with Charles Heinrich in a few minutes and continue our conversation about the Black Catholic Parish exhibit um, that he's put together for the Cardinal Bernini Archives and Records Center. We'll be back. Please stay tuned.
Catholic Charities, we fight hunger in Chicago throughout the year. Our six regional offices in Cook and Lake Counties work together to offer sit-down and to-go meals to anyone in need. We deliver meals to those who are homebound, and our eight food pantries offer three to four days of food supplies based on household size. Participants in these programs have the opportunity to learn about other Catholic charity services that strengthen individuals, families, and their communities. The challenges for those dealing with food insecurity are especially great during the winter months. To learn how you can help those who are hungry in your neighborhood, visit catholiccharities.net or call 312-655-7525. That's 312-655-7525. Thank you for your generosity. I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. Ancestry and genealogy are more important every day. People all over the world are wanting to learn more about their family heritage for personal and for health reasons. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. We're back, WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. Or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We're talking, we're having a wonderful conversation with Charles Heinrich from the Cardinal Bernadine Archives and Records Center. I think the title's Archivist Technician. Father Greg, you have a question of Charles. Yes, Charles, you, you're a fascinating guest this, uh, this half hour. In all the work you've done, with regarding Black History Month, pulling up this whole online exhibit, what surprised you the most? What tidbit, what fact, what connection did you make that you thought, wow, never thought of this before, caught you by complete surprise? Ooh, putting me on the spot here. Uh, you know, 
as I as I mentioned earlier in the conversation, um, part of the joy of this job is that you often are thrust into a subject that you know uh, very little about, but you just kind of really dive into dive into a new world, dive dive into a whole um, microcosm that you didn't know existed. Um, and it was very much the case, um, very much the case with this exhibit. Um, I would say that um, some of the things that surprised me the most um, learning about learning about this exhibit um, was the kind of proact one of them was the proactive stance that some of the religious orders of the neighborhood at that time uh, took in terms of evangelizing um, the the African-American neighborhoods on the South side. And in fact, that is one of the most striking things um, about the whole exhibit and that I hope people um, really read and, and cherish. And, and what do I mean by that? Uh, if you think about it, um, when these parishes were set up and after their original inhabitants had sort of emptied out um, over the course of uh, the Great Migration, you know, uh, white flight, moving to the suburbs, things like that. What you're essentially left with is that these religious orders um, are managed being uh, very, you know, small congregations and neighborhoods that are largely non-Catholic, that are basically, um, you know, ripe for the mission field, uh, to use a phrase of the time. So what really struck me is these parishes, the orders, the Society of Divine Word, the Technique Fathers, and the uh, Franciscans, um, they said, how do we, how do we grow our flock? How do we reach out to this neighborhood? How do we get people into the church? And it, all of the different ways that they tried, and they, um, and bore great fruit in this endeavor, you know, uh, it was through the schools, it was through interpersonal relationships, it was through, um, you know, coming to visit individual families, you know, being everywhere, being seen in the neighborhood, and all of these different parishioner organizations, you know, all with the goal of um, vitality and growing themselves as a parish and as a church. And I bring up, uh, I'll bring up one particular example. Um, one thing that all of these Catholic schools had um, at the time was, um, again, considering that the neighborhoods were largely non-Catholic with a lot of these families coming in from the South, uh, usually a Baptist um, persuasion or heritage, um, but the families wanted to send their kids to the Catholic school because they recognized that the Catholic schools were um, superior than the public options available, especially at the time when schools um, were more segregated, were more underfunded, especially on the South side. Uh, so the religious orders said, um, you know, your kid will come to school here. Um, in a year's time, they will be baptized. Uh, they'll take religious education. And then we expect you, the parents, to go to mass, not every Sunday, but frequently to know what your child is learning about. Uh -huh. So you can have a faith conversation and be aware of what your child is learning. And uh, this is this is an interesting tip that I learned actually from interviewing some of the parishioners down there. Um, one parishioner said that she 
actually had a mass attendance card that she had to fill out. She had to have the priest sign the mass attendance card. And this would be the case, even if they were on summer vacation or if they went, you know, to another state, she says she remembers going uh, down south, you know, to visit family for summer. And this is back in the sixties, uh, I believe. Um, so she had to, as a little kid, chase down the priest in the church that they were at um, with her mass attendance card from Chicago to make sure she could show um, the pastor and the school teachers, the nuns back at school in Chicago at St. Anselm, that she was keeping up with her mass attendance. Um, so you learn all these uh, wonderful and strange stories that you don't, um, that almost seem alien to you um, or alien to me growing up, uh, but they paint such a, an interesting and rich uh, world. Uh, of these Catholic communities, you know, in the 20th century. Now, Charles, you talked about religious orders and how they, uh, in fact, uh, in terms of education, some people had criticized the idea that uh, they were educating non-Catholics, but in reality, they were evangelizing. But what about priests? What did you learn about any of the priests that, that I would say would be maybe heroes in that community or leaders in the, in the black community over the years? Over the years, um, well, first you have to mention um, Father Augustus Tolton, um, who is often, um, you know, he's seen as, as part of the, of the genesis of the, of the black Catholic community uh, in Chicago. And um, you would have to say that looking at his life, um, Whereas how much the deck was stacked against him, both mm -hmm. in terms of, um, you know, other people not liking him or being barred from education in the United States. So he has to go to Rome to go to seminary, um, you know, and the fact that he celebrated mass in an unfinished church and, um, you know, had to had to really rely on the financial support of others. The fact that he was able to um, plant the foundation and the seeds of the community um, are really quite admirable um, and inspiring. Another person who uh, really stood out to me um, learning about him as such a fascinating um, and inspirational figure is uh, Father Joseph Eckert, who was a Society of Divine Word Father uh, who kind of took the reins uh, sometime after um, uh, Father Tolton died. He became in charge of St. Elizabeth um, and then St. Anselm. And he is probably uh, one of the key figures in the history of the um, Black Catholic community on the South Side. Uh, he was kind of plucked from his teaching position at the uh, SVD seminary. Um, but he jumped into this work with such zeal and with such um, uh, love and admiration uh, for the community because he, he saw this as such a huge opportunity to um, save souls, which was to him was the whole reason he became a priest, which was his whole inspiration for becoming a priest, which was to uh, save souls. And the way he not only um, reached out to the community, uh, faced a lot of hatred um, uh, in, in the neighborhood, um, he faced a lot of opposition, 
And he also had to, um, you know, he had to argue and convince Cardinal Mundelein uh, to open up some of these parishes uh, to the black communities, which he was hesitant to do. He wanted um, that amount of energy and conviction of uh, this being the right thing to do really stood out to me as uh, something praiseworthy. And uh, Charles, in the last story we're telling. Oh, yes. We only got about 30 seconds here. Where can people go online to see this tremendous exhibit for Black History Month? Uh, Thank you. Well, you can go online to archives.archchicago.org. That is where the exhibit is hosted. One more time. One more time. Archives.archchicago.org is where you'll be able to find this exhibit and read about this incredible story of the neighborhood. I want to thank in a very special way. Charles, you have been a phenomenal guest. You'll be back. I think Mark Treacy might be giving you a call about something from the, for the cathedral. Yeah, so I'd you love might you get to a, work with get us. A call from, <laughs> it's not the last you've heard from Mark Teresi, so <laughs> thank you in a very special way. Charles Heinrich, who put together for the from the Cardinal Bernardine Archives and Records Center, has launched an online exhibit about black Catholic parishes during Black History Month. Charles, thank you very much for joining us. You could have gone for another hour and, on and, this program. And you did Loyola proud. You did like you did, <laughs> you did the <laughs> Ramblers thank proud. Thank you so much. Yes, and also special thank you so thanks much for having co- me be on here. Thank you, Charles. Special thanks to co-host Mark Teresi and great work of our producer engineers, Michael May, Javi Garcia. To all of you, God bless and have a wonderful weekend. Do pray for an end that wars has started between Russia uh, attacking Ukraine. God bless. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.